Well, uh, uh, this, this Tuesday night is our Lord's Supper for our church family. I'm going to preach this morning uh, on the background to that, which would be the Passover. And then tonight, uh, more specifically on the New Testament side of that and the preparation of our church family for the Lord's Supper. And trust it'll be a real help and encouragement. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, next Sunday, which... You don't have to wait till next Sunday. You can celebrate uh, the Lord's resurrection every day and every Sunday. You know, we serve a living Savior. And so that's why we gather, uh, not out of habit, not out of tradition, but out of honor every Sunday morning because He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. But next Sunday is the day set aside um, to celebrate that specifically, the resurrection and uh, I think you're going to, well, I think you're going to be blessed. It's the music that's planned, and, and um, so I, I trust it'll be a great blessing to you. This morning, let's get to it. Luke 22. We're going to depart from our series in Matthew's here, Matthew, for a couple weeks or so. <clears throat> Luke 22. Find your place also in Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter number 12 is the... Old Testament background to what's known as the Passover. So Luke 22, and then mark your Bible with the ribbon in Exodus chapter 12. Got to be part of the Sunday school teacher orientation this morning, teaching that. I believe there's about 10, 10 or so students there. It's a blessing. I just want to put a plug in for Sunday school, you know. Um, It'll help your spiritual life to be a part, a regular part of a Sunday school class. If you're not already, let me encourage you. There are several adult classes. I believe it's 18 different adult classes that you can choose from. And then also walking around up on the third floor, I saw young people uh, getting ready to go into Sunday school class. Asked a young lady, how was a couple, about three young ladies, uh, how was Sunday school? They said, it was great or something like that. They enjoyed it. They said it was really good. So encouraging. Love it. Thank God for our Sunday school teachers. All right, Luke 22. Um, this year, our scripture reading during the Lord's Supper is going to be out of the Gospel of Luke. And so when, when we do that, I like to do a little bit of background preaching to help us in our understanding as to when we do read part of the text. And so let's read now verse number one. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them, and they were glad and coveted with him to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter, this would be Jesus sending his disciples to basically get them ready to observe the Passover. All right. So he sent them sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, 
Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, it says, And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Notice verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So he took one of the elements of the Passover, which you've, you've got to understand, that's part of our effort today, is understanding. Now, I, I realize I'm preaching to people that maybe that have been in church. Some of you all your life. Well, does it hurt you to hear about the Passover again? I hope not. I don't believe that it will. But let's be mindful of this. There are, there are folks here today that thank God that they've been saved just within the last year. This will be their very, very first time to observe the Lord's Supper. And so I want to do my due diligence with God's help to explain uh, what the background is here to the Lord's Supper. And so he took that and it would have been a surprise to them that he did just what he did. But he said, take, eat, this is my body, do in remembrance of me. Likewise, verse 20 says, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my, what does he say? In my blood. All right. Again, he says, which is shed for you. And I can say today to you, his blood was shed for you. For you. He shed his blood for all. Our theme this year is uh, love God's way. Love God's way. There's not one person upon the face of the earth, currently, past, or future, that God does not love. Not one. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. That's a mouthful. I get it. It means this, a wrath removing sacrifice, which means this, the wrath of God, the judgment of God should have come on us, but instead it went on him. That's love. That's love. Today, I'd like just to preach to you with God's help. I'm trusting that God would help here. Need it all the time. You need God's help to listen. 
The love of God at the Passover. The love of God. I, I want to use our theme and think about this. The love of God was shown at the Passover. Then and in the days of Jesus as he observed it with his disciples. So I trust that God would bless your reading of his word as you're seated. Let's get right to it here today. The love of God at the Passover. And you can go ahead and turn to Exodus 12 and we'll be there and just highlighting a few verses along the way. I am mindful of this as well. In Hebrews, there's so many verses. So my soul, there's so many verses that point all this out. But it says in Hebrews 11 that through faith, he, Moses, kept the Passover. Through faith, they trusted God at the Passover. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. We're talking today about the Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread... Uh, also known according to Luke as the Passover, they're so closely linked that they became synonymous terms, though there is a distinction. We'll get into that. Um, it's one of the most significant events in the Jewish calendar, the Passover. It would be the beginning of months for them. You can see that in Exodus chapter number 12 and verse number two, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months, the month Nisan, not the car, the month, okay? The Hebrew word Nisan is, uh, is uh, the first month for them. Now, they had a Jewish New Year that would fall about our, our September, but this would be the first of their, of their season when they were brought out of Egypt. It's their very first festival that they would have as he brought them out of Egypt and is the longest running festival in history. And to this day, beginning sundown this Friday, Jews all over the world will observe the Feast of the Passover, and followed by the seven days of unleavened bread. Seven days in Israel, eight days outside of Israel. And so there's a lot of customs, some things that have kind of found its way by tradition into the, the Feast of Passover and unleavened bread and other things that are just prescribed right here for the Jews. I'm not a Jew and probably you're not either. You say, well, what, what does the Passover have to do with me if I'm not a Jew? Absolutely everything. The Passover was a time of joy. I mean, uh, the streets of Jerusalem, I, I wish we could get a sense of this as we're, you know, coming into Luke chapter 22 and, and, and thinking about that and, 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 and to imagine just how crowded Jerusalem was. You know, sometimes we have some things going on here in town and I mean, the streets get crowded and the, and the restaurants get crowded, you know, because of what's going on at the fairgrounds or what's going on, you know, downtown. Well, I mean, this was, this was a high time of the, of the city of Jerusalem and the Jewish historian named Josephus, he said that there was upwards of 3 million people that would come into Jerusalem at this time. No, I mean, we got to think, you think, you think our streets are crowded. I mean, just imagine in this relatively tiny town of, of Jerusalem. I mean, it was, it was a significant city. I'm not minimizing it, but I'm just simply saying 3 million people, oh, that'll crowd any place. And so they were packed in there. And so you have merchants and beggars. I mean, they would be everywhere and, and you'd have extra soldiers because, I mean, anything could happen at the Passover. And governmental officials like uh, the governor Pilate and, and uh, Herod Antipas and, and others were there because they, they understood this thing could get out of hand in a hurry. Because the Jews didn't like the Romans and the Romans didn't like the Jews. So they had an increased population of the soldiers and the military officials and so forth. And, 
And uh, then also the priests were working overtime. More priests on hand at the, at the temple. Again, Josephus says that, that around two million sheep were slaughtered at the Passover. Two million lambs uh, slaughtered there and, uh, in, the, in, this, in this Passover meal. And so what, what's happening is that Jesus is sending his disciples and they would also purchase a lamb, a spotless lamb, and they would bring that to the temple. And, and typically the head of the family would lay his hands on the, on the animal and then they would cut the animal's throat and the blood would be poured out. And, and then the priest would take it and prepare it um, for him to take home and they would roast uh, that lamb, that sheep, and, and they would have a big meal, and they still have a big meal to this day as they have the Seder plate and all the elements of it, the bitter herbs that you'd read about in, in Exodus chapter number 12. If you look in uh, some of the verses, like verse uh, number five talks about the lamb without blemish, and uh, some of the other verses here are pointing out what they would have in, uh, in the observance of the Passover um, I'm looking for the verse about the bitter herbs. It's in there somewhere. You can read it later. But bitter herbs and some of the other things that were their part of the Passover, all of it is symbolic. And listen, the Jews have observed this generation after generation after generation after generation. I watched a, a video of a rabbi um, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he was explaining the Passover and it's really interesting. I, I think even as, as Christians, we need to understand the Passover because if we don't, we don't get the Lord's Supper. I mean, I mean by that, we don't understand its significance. Okay. Um, he's ex explaining it and, and why that they observe it as a Jewish family and, and it's passed down from generation to generation. Here's what they're saying. We need to understand our history lest we forget who we are. And you can see the love of God at the time of Passover. We're going to see that here today. But we're doing so to be able to look ahead from the book of Exodus to the book of Luke, in this case, to see the love of God at the time of Passover as Jesus observed it with his disciples and did this. He took it and he heightened its significance to a whole nother level. And we're going to see the love of God at the time of Passover. This uh, past week, I had opportunity to go out. Uh, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Donnie uh, Wilson was not able to go out. He had, a, he had a man that he was counseling and helping. I went out with a couple of the men from the church, um, the two of the men that are on the church staff there. And, and we went uh, out just kind of inviting people to their Easter uh, time and, and uh, also talking to anybody that was out. And I came across a man uh, named Mike, and uh, he was working construction, doing uh, some concrete work there at this particular house. And, and, um, and so anyways, as me and the partner there were talking to him, um, he said, how do you know the Bible's true? I thought, oh boy, here we go. It's about to get on. Because I could, I could just feel it, the antagonism, you know, that was building there. And how do you know the Bible's true? And, 
And, and my mind raced to the resurrection. And I said, you know, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we have reason not to believe that the Bible is true. But if Jesus did rise from the dead and there are eyewitnesses to that, then we have valid reason to believe the Bible is true. We have reason to believe the Bible is true because it's God's word. I'm not taking away from that. But I'm just simply saying what Jesus said, that if I rise again, then you know that I'm, I'm true. And so anyways, the man was giving us a hard time and he just kind of kept going for a little bit. And then finally, it's almost like on a dime, he turned and said, oh, okay. I was just checking you out. <laughs> he said, I want to make sure that you weren't a cult, you know, and I want to make sure that you didn't know that you weren't, you know, you didn't know what you're talking about. He said, I was just checking you out. Oh, man, come on. There's other ways to go about this, you know. <laughs> sure. He said, uh, you know where Sayer, Oklahoma is? And I said, yeah, I know where Sayer is. He said, I spent some time there in prison in that general vicinity. And, um, and, he, and he told me a little bit about his background. And, and, and here's, here's the reason I mention it right now. I'm, I'm there to preach a family conference. And here's what he said to me with tears in his eyes. Tell him about the cross. Tell him about the cross preach. I mean, that's, I mean, he just, he said that he understood I'm there to talk about marriage and family, but he said, listen, you've got to tell him about the cross because if you don't tell him about the cross, you won't know how to be a married man. If you don't understand the cross, you won't have the power to be the husband that you ought to be or the wife that you ought to be or the parent that you ought to be or the child that you ought to be. I mean, with tears in his eyes. And then he said, my boss is on me to get back to work, but tell him about the cross. So today I'm trying to tell you about the cross. I want to tell you about the love of Jesus at the, at the cross. I want to tell you why this is so significant and, and its connection all the way back, all the way back to the time when the Jews were in Egypt and God had told them through Abraham that they would be there for over 400 years and he would bring them out. He would deliver them from bondage. And they would have the, the very first Passover. And, and I mean, I know that many of you know the story, but please just allow me to kind of walk through some of it just like you're hearing it for the very first time because there may be someone here that is hearing it for the very first time. That here were the Jews and they were, they were in bondage. I mean, in bitter slavery. That's why part of their observance of the Passover was to, to take those bitter herbs and to dip it even in. Now they dip it into salt water because of the, the tears that were shed and the, the bitterness of the slavery that was there. But listen, Listen, friend, I'm here to tell you today, there's a greater bondage than physical bondage. And that's a spiritual bondage. And we all are sinners. And, and Jesus said, he that, that sins is, is the servant of sin. And we need somebody to deliver us from our spiritual bondage. They needed somebody to deliver them from their physical bondage. And God sent a Jew named Moses back into Egypt to deliver them. He grew up there and, and God spared his life when Pharaoh wanted to kill all the baby boys. And he spared Pharaoh's, uh, I'm sorry, Moses' life and sent him back and told him what to do. And, and then he stood before Pharaoh and said this, let my people go. And Pharaoh declined and refused over and over and over again. I'm telling you, even God warning Pharaoh and God being merciful even to Pharaoh is showing the love of God at the Passover. But it, it, the, the, the severity of the judgment increased. It increased as, as Pharaoh was trying to negotiate with God. You can't negotiate with God. As Pharaoh was trying to push God away, you can't push God away. Today, God may be dealing with someone here that's lost. I want to tell you something. You're not going to negotiate with God. 
You're not going to say, well, what if I do this and this? No, you can't negotiate with God. And you can't do this when conviction comes. When you realize you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do. You can't push God away. You can't push God aside. You need to deal with this. You need to understand what God has done. And so Moses stood there and, and, and commanded that he would let the people go and Pharaoh refused. And finally, it came down to the very last of the plagues, the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. And God said that, that from Pharaoh down to the person in the dungeon and all in between, if there, where the blood is not applied, that the, the firstborn of every house would die. But he told Moses, Moses, on the 10th day, you take a spotless lamb. Are you listening to me here this morning? He said, you take a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish. The reason why he told them to take a lamb without blemish is because even way back then, the eternal plan of God has always been a substitutionary death. And it's pointing all the way forward to the time when the sinless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had no sin, would die for you and die for me. That spotless lamb, Moses said, you take it on the 10th day. And then on the 14th day, then you slay that lamb, that sinless lamb, that spotless lamb rather. And then you take the blood from that lamb and you strike it, you take hyssop and you strike it on the doorpost on the, on the left side and on the right side and up above. And when I pass over, when I come over and I see the blood, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. There won't be no death there. I, I'm telling you, friend, listen, God's judgment was coming to Egypt and they would face the judgment of God where the blood was not applied, but where the blood was applied, they would not face God's wrath. They would not face God's judgment. And so that night, the Hebrews, they took that blood of the lamb and they, uh, they put it on the, on the doorpost and above the door. And then God passed by. By the way, it's the Lord's Passover. It's not the Jews' Passover. It's the Lord's Passover. You always see it in Scripture that way. The Lord's Passover. And he passed over where the blood was. But then there came a cry echoing through the streets and the, and the, and the places of Egypt as from Pharaoh's house all the way down to the dungeon where the firstborn died. You know what God was showing there? God was showing the fallacy of their false religion because they believed that, that the firstborn would carry on the, the even Pharaoh. Pharaoh believed himself to be a God, the son of Ra or the son of Ray. Seen it pronounced uh, both ways, but, but nonetheless, he believed that he was God and that his son would carry on that tradition. Well, God showed them the fallacy of their false religion and God continues to show the fallacy of false religion. And so they observed the Passover as, they, as, as God passed by and, and death came to every house where the blood was not applied. I'm telling you this morning that that was the love of God shown at Passover because God cared for every family. God cared for every boy, every girl. God cared for every person that was there. But he also, his judgment, please listen to this very carefully. God's, God's love is not in conflict with his judgment. God's, God's judgment is a reflection even of his love and his purity. Why, why are you preaching about this? Well, I'm preaching about this because, not because we're Jews, obviously we're not. We're not in Egyptian bondage or any kind of other bondage of that sort. But there may be someone here, in fact, if, you were, if you're saved today, there was a time when you were without the blood. 
Judgment's coming. The Bible says that there's none righteous. No, not one. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've broken God's commandments. The Bible also says this, that the wages of sin is death. Death. Physical death, yes, but also this spiritual death, separation from God. Who's going to pay for your sin? How can you be free from your sin? How can you be forgiven? How can, here, here's the question. How can you escape God's judgment? You can't, you can't say, well, I don't want to think about it. No, you've got to think about it today. How can you escape God's judgment? You're a sinner. God's judgment is, is on you. The wrath of God is currently on you. Did, did you hear me today? The wrath of God is on the, the unbeliever that, that is not born again. The wrath of God is there. You're facing condemnation. How can you be forgiven? How can you be delivered? How can you be set free? Well, you've got to find somebody that is not a sinner that's willing to take your place. And run that by you again here. I'm going to get a quick drink and tell you, ask you that again. You got to find somebody who's not a sinner. You're going to be hard pressed to find somebody that's not a sinner on this earth today. Because all of us have sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You got to find somebody that's not a sinner. You're fresh out of luck. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You got to find somebody that's, a sin, that's, that's without sin and they've got to be willing to take your place. There's only one. There's only one that will live without sin. The Lord Jesus Christ. He came and lived on this earth without sin, never once sinned. And he was without sin. So if you're looking for somebody today, there's the one. And he's the only one. And not only is he without sin, but listen to this. He was willing to take your place and he did take your place. And we are justified by his blood. We are saved from wrath by his blood. I'm telling you today, there was no other way for the Jews to be saved back then. They could not say, well, maybe if I do these things, I can get by without the blood. No, there was no way that they could be saved, be spared without the blood. They could not say, but wait a minute, I'm the son of Abraham. I'm the son of Isaac. I'm the son of Jacob. All of them were. Was not their family heritage that spared them from the wrath of God? Neither will it be yours. You've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. The blood has got to be applied to your life. God has no grandchildren, someone said. He has sons and daughters of God, those that have trusted him by faith. And I'm asking you today, have you been born again? Have you been saved? Because the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, thank the Lord, he took your place on Mount Calvary. 
There was no qualification back then in, in the days of Moses as they observed the Passover. The blood was applied to every door that was willing to apply the blood. Are you following me right, right here? Every door. Behind that door, no doubt. I mean, just given, I just thought about it here just recently. I thought about the fact of their idolatry and I thought about their immorality and I thought about their eventual drunkenness. I'm talking about the children of Israel as they were shortly out of Egypt. You can see what kind of lives they lived before by what they lived afterwards. So even there behind that door, friend, listen, there was no doubt, I'm just speculating here for just a moment, but I want you to speculate with me, if you would, please, that behind the door, one of those homes, no doubt, was an adulterer. No doubt was an idolater. No doubt was, was somebody that was given to alcohol. No doubt there were some sinners there, but listen, every single one of them were saved by the blood. Listen, Jesus doesn't save one person one way and another person another way. No, we've all got to be saved by the blood. Amen. Has the blood been applied to your life today? I'm asking you because Jesus dying for you and in your place does not automatically mean that you are okay with God. It means that you can be, but you must place faith in Jesus Christ. God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That if we shall confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that would call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you been saved today? If you have been saved, then friend, listen, you ought to thank God that the blood was shed for you. Tell them about the cross, preacher. Tell them about the cross. Tell them about the cross that saved somebody that was in the prison there in Sayre or wherever it was. Tell them about the cross that would save somebody that grew up in church that's never done any prison time. Tell them about the cross. It's necessary to save both. It's necessary to save you. That's why this Tuesday night we're getting together as a church family to remember the blood that was shed for us and the body that was broken for us. He took that bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He took that, that cup, oh mercy. There were four cups that the Jews observed, they still do. It's based on Exodus chapter number six and verse six and seven where he says that, that uh, I will, uh, let's look at it, Exodus 6. <laughs> Give me a chance to catch my breath anyways. I'm trying to tell you about the love of God at Passover. The love of God at Mount Calvary. When the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, His blood was shed for us because we're not redeemed with, with corruptible things as silver or gold from our vain conversation received by tradition of the elders, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The father of that family will this week take the first cup and he'll read from Exodus 6 and verse number 6 and says, I am the Lord, I will bring you out. That's the first cup and they observe it. Then the second cup he'll read, I will rid you out of their bondage. And they'll observe a second cup. And then they'll observe a, a third cup, which is this cup. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will redeem you. It was the cup of salvation. 
Jesus observed, I believe, three cups. He did not observe the fourth cup. He said this, I'll observe that cup later with you in the kingdom of my Father. Look at the fourth cup that they'll read, I will take you to me for a people. There's coming a day when he's going to take us to him for his people. But at that third cup, I will redeem you. And they sang a song and he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he went on to Mount Calvary. And there he paid a price that you could never pay. The price of your redemption. And he said to you and he said to me, I will redeem you. I will purchase you. How did he buy us, preacher? How did he purchase? What price did he pay? His own precious blood. I listened as the Jewish rabbi said, at Passover, we um, have another tradition. This is truly a Jewish tradition. But he said, we go and we open the door to let Elijah in to tell us that the Messiah has come. Isn't that sad? said, sometimes somebody will dress up as Elijah or a little kid will dress up as Elijah. He said, we open the door. He said, I've been a Jew many, many years now. And to be honest, as time has gone along, I've lost hope that our Messiah would come in my lifetime. How sad that he did not realize that John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah to announce the Messiah had come and that he's coming again. But if you're blessed today to be saved, you've been born again, the blood has been applied, you'll never face the wrath of God. We're forgiven. If today you've not been saved, but you've heard the message today that it's only through the blood, then you can trust Jesus to be your savior and you will not experience the wrath of God. Because herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And listen, sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to die in your place and to die in mine. And if you trust Him and Him alone, you'll be saved. The love of God at Passover, the love of God at Mount Calvary, is this, the blood was shed that we might be saved. The blood was shed that we might be saved. His blood was shed for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? Let me just, let me just ask a few moments as we prepare for an invitation. Let me ask today, how many of you could raise your hand and say, I've trusted Him as my Savior. I know I'm saved. I'm born again by the blood of the Lamb. Thank the Lord. I see hands all over the auditorium. God bless you. Thank you. You just raised your hand there and what you were saying is sometime in my life somebody shared the gospel with me and I heard the good news that Jesus loves sinners and he died in my place and I asked him to be my savior. You ought to be able to go back to a time and a place. You may not remember the exact date and time but you ought to be able to remember the occasion when you trusted Jesus personally as your savior. There may be someone here today that would say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand right there because I don't know that for sure. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? If I died today, 
I'll be honest, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand if that's you? I just, I'm just asking you to be honest. Nobody's going to make their way to you in any way. But just simply you raising your hand saying, yes, preacher, please pray for me because I am, I am concerned about that. Is there anybody like that today while I'm waiting here just a moment? Yes, I, I see your hand now. Thank you. I appreciate you patiently waiting. <clears throat> I'm not saved, preacher. I'm concerned. I, I'm trying to ask you today because of God's love for you. If judgment came today, if you died today, are you under the blood? That was God's picture back in Egypt of what he would do at Mount Calvary for all of us. And you need to be saved just like everybody else does by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and then we're all going to stand. And, and as we stand, if you raise your hand, I, I want to encourage you. You raise your hand that you, you're not sure, you're not saved. I want to encourage you to make your way, would you please, just down the closest aisle here towards the front. There'll be someone to greet you and welcome you. And then they'll take a Bible and, and show you from God's Word how you can know for sure that you're saved and on your way to heaven, that you would be under the blood. Oh, it's so important. And today, those of us that are saved, I believe it'd be right to exhort you, just like it was right for God to exhort the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Oh, He paid such a price for them. They shouldn't live for themselves, but live unto the, Him, the one who died for them, is what He said to us. And to them, they, they ought to come out of Egypt. My, they had a hard time coming out of Egypt, didn't they? We're getting Egypt out of them. He bought us with a price. We're paid for by the blood of the Lamb. We ought to live our lives to honor and glorify Him. Father, today as we have our invitation, your invitation, I'm praying, God, that you would help those that do not know yes, Savior today, they heard about the cross and that you love us. You died on that cross. The Lord Jesus dying there paid the price of our redemption that we might be saved. I pray, dear Father, that you'd help those that are not saved right now to, to understand their great spiritual need and the great provision that you made that they might be saved. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. God spoke to your heart.